So this is a photograph that I did not take. Uh, this is of chimney tops in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Um, I grew up just a little over an hour from here, and um, this was a f one of our favorite hiking destinations when I was a kid. And when I became a teenager and full of energy, um, we actually, this became our favorite place to hike, and we would, um, me and my brother and my friends, we would, we would start a stopwatch at the bottom and see how fast we could get to the top. And then we would restart the stopwatch at the top to see how fast we could go down, which was much more dangerous, you know, flying down a trail, grabbing trees to stop and stuff. So, um, boy, those were the days, weren't they? Um, sorry, I'm just trying. Oh, it does work. Yay. So, anyway, um, so... That's me and my buddy. I'm going to talk about him in a minute. Um, yeah, my remote's not working, so I'm just trying to... Um, well, that's... Oh, here we go. That's not me. That's not me. Okay. Um, in 2016, there was a huge wildfire that went through the Smokies down into Gatlinburg, burned down a bunch of hotels, a bunch of homes, some people died, it was horrible. But it started at chimney tops. So you can't hike to the top anymore. It stops, the trail stops a quarter of a mile from the top. Literally, they put, like, the trail ends and they put stops to not go past this. If you go to the Smoky Mountains um, Forestry Service or the, the, the park website, there's a big, bold letters. Do not try to go to the top. Um, we keep having to carry people out of there, and there's have, there has been a death of people who cannot obey warning signs. Um, okay, that's, that's just kind of the background, um, which takes me to my story, which took place back in the 80s, long before forest fires, back when the world was sunny and bright, and all the trails were open, and me and my best buddy, Ron, this is not the 80s, I think this is 1974, Ron moved in next door to me a few weeks before, the summer before first grade. So this is somewhere around then. And that's me on the right. That's Ron on the left. Um, I said we were shoe models. Look at those shoes. Aren't those the best? And those pants that aren't long enough. Aren't those the best? So um, one day it, he just, we, we didn't have anything to do. And he's like, hey, let's go, let's go hike chimney tops. Yeah, let's go. So we jumped in the car. We went. And um, we decided we were going to hike the chimneys. Now, this is a random picture off the internet. I don't know these people. Um, but but <laughs> I'm showing this to illustrate something. The trail ends where those people are standing. And there's a sign that says, don't go beyond this point. But look at those rocks. Like, aren't they begging for someone to just keep going? And if you Google Chimney Top Smoky Mountains, you will see pictures of people in various locations past the point where you're supposed to stop on those rocks. And they're kind of difficult to get to. There's a reason why it says don't go past these rocks. And they're tricky, and you fall, and people get hurt, and then they have to carry them out. It's just an ordeal. The trail stops here. So Ron and I, we do our thing. We time ourselves. You know, I don't know if we broke a record or not. And um, we get there. And we kind of look at each other. And we're the only ones there. So you want to go out to the end? Yeah, let's go out to the end. Yeah. There was probably more than that. 
Um, and so we, we make our way. You go down and up and down and up. It's a difficult trek, and we made it all the way to that point. And, um, <laughs> and so we're standing at that point, and we had another conversation. And I feel fairly certain that I started this conversation because Ron was a lot smarter than me. Ron applied himself to school. Ron took difficult classes. Ron made good grades. I did none of those things. I did the opposite. I did the opposite of what Ron did. And um, the conversation started something like this, looking over a cliff and nothing but trees. Something like, do you think we could get back if we just went over this? Do you think we can make it back? Now, that's just a stupid question. And the conversation could have ended there, but it didn't. And I don't, I did not realize how stupid that question was. I knew it was stupid, and I've known it's stupid since 1980, whatever that was. But this week I was looking at pictures, and there's a picture that someone took from way down below of this from the other side looking up and with the trees gone. And then I, I realized... Um, what it looks like now from this side. So that's where you're supposed to stop on the right. And that's where you go when you're dumb to that point. And then when you're even dumber, you have a conversation at that point. Now ask yourself, what would have been easier to turn around and go back to the right or to plummet down there? Well, we weren't smart. We weren't thinking. And I remember Ron saying, well, you know, my dad always said, if you ever get lost, find a creek, follow it, you'll end up somewhere. And so... We, we comforted ourselves the fact that we did cross a creek, and if we find that creek, we follow it uphill, and we'll, we'll find our cars. What could possibly go wrong? So off we went, and at some point down, we came to, it was a horrible struggle. There, nobody, it looked as if had, nobody had ever done this. There was anything resembling a trail. And um, we came to this one point where there was this cliff and we didn't know how to get down it and there was like this tree like 10 feet away and I was like, I bet if we jumped far enough, we could jump to that tree and then climb down the tree. And he's like, are you stupid? No, we can't do that. Anyway, it took us forever to get to the bottom of the mountain and find the creek and then pick our way up this creek and just like, it was one of those exhilarating feelings where, man, that was amazing, but I am so glad we didn't die, right? You've, you've probably experienced that any number of times in your life, maybe this week. Um, but what happened was, is we got home finally, and the first thing we did was we found my brother, and we were just like, you're not going to believe what we did. We went down the other side. You we went down the other side, and we told him all about it. We almost died, da, 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 da. And... Um, he went to work and he told all of his coworkers because they, they all knew about our timing ourselves and all that stuff and they were kind of starting to get into it. He told all of his coworkers and what he did not know is that one of his coworkers was like, I'm going to try this. Well, his coworkers were from Florida. What do they know about climbing mountains, right? And so, and he went by himself. And, yeah, everybody groaned. What, don't do that. So, um, he, he didn't show up for work and then he didn't show up for work again. And my brother was like, surely he didn't do this. So we jumped in the car. We went up. We got to the trailhead. And there were like 15 park ranger trucks parked. And my, we just sinking feeling 
Oh, my brother gets out. I can't get out. I feel so guilty that I started. This is my fault. He would have never done this if we would have just not been stupid. And I hadn't told somebody that we were stupid, right? And that's, and so it turns out that he had tried it. He had fallen off that cliff that we had managed to get down. He had landed, broken his femur, spent the night, two nights, I think, maybe, between two logs, covered himself up with logs, with leaves so and breeze. Animals were coming to say hello to him. And so apparently someone known, knew that he'd gone hiking, had called, and they managed somehow to find him. And my brother was there talking to the park rangers, and then about 15 minutes later, they come down, put him in an ambulance. He sees my brother. He's like, hey, man. He's like, hey, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, all of that to say this. Um, there's a healthy sort of fear of authority and a healthy sort of fear of nature that keeps you on the designated path. Um, It was true then, it's true now. If the sign says, danger, do not continue on this trail, you might die. Or, danger, do not get off this trail. There, sh- there should be a couple of things that go through your mind. Number one, the person who put this sign here has the authority to tell me to do or not do this, and I should obey that authority. Number two, the person who put this sign here has a lot more knowledge than I do about what the conditions of the trail like are beyond this point and what the conditions are like off of the trail. And... He also probably has stories about people who didn't listen. Park rangers always had stories. My brother sat with one on that day on the back of his truck and he told him stories. Oh yeah, people who take people from out of state who don't know how bears work, who try to put their little children on the back of a bear for a picture opportunity. <laughs> people who people who say things like, "Hey, when do you let the animals out?" "Hey, This is a park. Where are all the rides? You know, things like that. And it's like, people really do go to national parks with no common sense. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute, Dean, you did that. Right, okay, I understand that. But but there are people who know. And number three, nature is beautiful, but it will kill you if you give it a chance. I'm just saying there there are times when fear is a very good thing. And there is joy in listening to authority that has stories to tell tell about people who didn't listen to authority. There is is joy to be found in walking a, a path that the authority has made for you to walk. So we come to a song of ascent, a psalm of ascent. Tartan read it at the beginning of the service. And... If I'm not mistaken, um, this very well may be the first psalm with the word walk in it. Isn't that fascinating? These are psalms all about walking. And uh, and we come to one with the word walk. Um, But it's a psalm about blessing. It's a psalm about staying on the path. Many theologians and Bible scholars you look up, they, they call this the psalm of home and city. It's about... Um, the blessing of home, the blessing of city, and how they are connected together. But it's a psalm about joy. It's a psalm about blessedness. It's a psalm about fear and staying on God's path. And, and 
this is very appropriate. If you're the people in this day, and you're a people who make pilgrimages, if, if God has given you law, and he says, hey, listen, three times a year, you're going to get on a path, no matter where you live, and you're going to go to Jerusalem, and you're going to offer sacrifices, and you're going to worship, and you're going to give thanks, and you're going to remember everything I've done, and you're going to praise me for who I am and for my blessings, and you're going to ask for blessing on your crops, and, and, and you're going to make this trip. Um, we'll, we'll see just how special this psalm could have been to people. The imagery here is so beautiful and so promising. You want what God has here, but especially if you're making this pilgrimage with your family. Now, we don't make pilgrimages. We don't have holy cities. Um, The holy city is coming to us one day. We're walking with Jesus and with each other with Jesus, right? We show up to worship together, but... um, It wasn't a pilgrimage to get here, no matter how much you hate Rayford Road. It wasn't a pilgrimage to get here. You don't don't turn three times a day to Creekside Bible Church and pray, right? You don't do that. Um, Blessed, we say that every week. I I keep saying it, but I'll I'll keep saying it. Blessed are all who fear the Lord. Um, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. Now, three things about fear. Number one, it means fear. Uh, Number two, it doesn't do away with the love of God. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. If you think of fear uh, as in, well, God's just mean and grumpy, and he's just got a big rubber mallet in his hand, and He's just waiting to squash me, so I better be afraid of him. That's not how God is depicted in terms of fear. Um, it's, it's exactly what we described. He is authority, and he is knowing, and his love for you says, hey, listen, I've got a path. I love you so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you on it. I'm going to lay it out for you, and I'm going to tell you, um, if you go that way, there may be a cliff. Um, And it always includes obedience. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. So we have two things in this verse that are completely out of sync with the modern mind. Fear the Lord and delight in command. Nobody delights in being told what to do. Right? Did your kids ever come to you? Hey, Mom, you you got any chores? (laughs) You got any commands for me? I just need to be told to do something, right? Nobody does that. Nobody thinks of the fear of the Lord. Um, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes, who seek him with all their heart, you know, wrong and follow his ways. So there's this blessed, joyful, content walk, right? In the law of the Lord, his commands, the seeking of the Lord wholeheartedly, right? Following in his ways and his path. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, the word blessed 
He's used to distinguish the righteous person from the, the wicked person. Blessed is the one who does not walk, right? And step with the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the sea of mockers, right? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. But then what does it say? Not so the wicked. He's like chaff that the wind blows away. These blessed people are people who delight, and yet they fear. (laughs) So fear and blessedness are tied together in a walk on a path with God. Because God has the authority to tell us which path to walk, and he knows the danger of being outside of delighted obedience, and he has stories to tell. He gave us a book full of stories to tell about people who got off the path. The blessedness of God, who is blessed more than anyone, sharing his life with us, and this fear of the Lord being the cornerstone of everything, the beginning of wisdom. The path is not just like, hey man, suck it up, make it work. There's this, this joy, this wholeness, this contentment. And it's all in the context of walking, the, the word walk. I love the word. It's on the wall when you come, right? This, this, we, we use the word walk here. Um, come back to that, but Isn't it interesting that in a psalm for people who had to walk to Jerusalem, like in a culture in a world that walked everywhere, that the word would be like moving around with God. You didn't walk for exercise in in this day. That would have just been silly. If you walked, someone would have said, where are you going? didn't say, oh, I'm just got to get my steps in. Nobody said that in Jesus' day. (laughs) It was transportation, your feet, right? (laughs) So we have a route to take, a direction we're going. Fear says stay on this path. And you've seen movies, you've read the books, right? The wizard says, hey, listen, you're going through the dark forest. Merkwood. <laughs> Stay on the path. You'll be fine. And what do the silly hobbits do? Oh, what was that over there? Ah! And they immediately they leave the path. You go, that was dumb. This is not going to go well. Every time, right? But then the psalm turns this into blessing. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Now that's, you will eat the fruit of your labor. You think to yourself, well, why wouldn't you? You worked, you planted, it popped up, you ate. Why wouldn't you? I didn't put these in, but, but there were other places your crop could go, right? Like, there's, there's a prayer kind of against an enemy in Psalm 109 where he says, may a creditor seize all he has and may strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. Boy, how's that something for pray to, your enemy, to pray for your enemy? I pray that your enemy comes in and picks all your fruit. Oops, yeah, okay. When the Jews returned from exile and just, just said, we're not gonna work on the temple anymore, 
the Lord said, well, then I will strike the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail. I will make sure you don't eat, the fruit of your labor will fail. But then here, you will eat what you worked hard to grow. So you stay on the path, the joyful, blessed path, fearing the Lord, and you'll get to eat what you planted. And then he turns it to the family, which your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, and your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Now that's a strange picture, isn't it? Um, now he's not saying every godly man gets a wife. You know, Christianity, they named it after a guy who didn't get a wife. Most of your New Testament written by guys who didn't get wives, right? But he's just, he's just given a blessing here. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Man, if you want to compliment your wife, honey, you're so fruity. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a compliment. It's a compliment. You're so fruity. You're such a fruitful vine. Um, it's just that the home has her stamp all over it. She's just, just fruitful. Um, just, I often tell this story. Like years and years ago, my wife made this notebook and she, it was like all the stuff that she works on and takes care of. And she kind of put it in a notebook because it was like how to do all this stuff. And my kids were little and we, she, she jokingly named it the If Mom Dies Notebook. <laughs> and I just remembered very jokingly when she put, she put that together. I remember my son looking at me and saying, Dad, if she dies, we're all gone in six months. <laughs> And of course, the rest of the story is, where is the if dad dies notebook? Right, there's not one. Such a thing does not exist. <laughs> My wife is a fruitful vine within her home. Yeah. But there's these, these children like olive shoots, right? Sons in their youth will be like well-nurtured plants. Your daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. That's the picture. Look, this is an olive tree. If you go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, there are olive trees there that they think were there when Jesus was there. They just live forever. I was actually about to pinch this so you could zoom in and see it. That doesn't work. Um, <laughs> Y'all, okay. If you look closely down around the bottom... Yeah, you can, you can sort of see shoots coming out from the, around the bottom of the tree. That's what happens. But what are they going to do? They want the tree to produce olives up here, so they'll keep all the shoots trimmed off. But the thing with the shoots is, is if you let them keep going, you could cut off the olive tree and the shoots would take over and eventually be fruitful. Right? That's kind of the picture. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. The blessed are, the blessed is. And then he says this. So again, we're picturing leaving of home, right? The family's with him. 
than heading for a city. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Then it turns back around again, and may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Now, I want to come back to this again, and I'll probably do it again, but just think about this now. This is kind of the thing in all these psalms, but it it very specifically says here, may the Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. We saw this in earlier, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, right? Imagine being born into a nation, being born into a people, Growing up, marrying, raising a family, having grandkids, getting old and dying, all while looking to a city and traveling and making pilgrimage to a city with a temple, with priests and sacrifices. Imagine that being your whole life. Right? It had been Moses with a tabernacle among a bunch of tents. Right? Now it's a a temple in a city like with tribes in towns and villages. If that's how you had spent all of your decades, that city would be a very, very big deal. Think about this. If you were 50 years old and your parents had just taken you the bare minimum three times, that's 150 times you had made pilgrimage to the city. Right, 60, go 70. Just imagine that's your life. So you're definitely going to be praying for that city, right? The prosperity and peace of that city will be a very big deal to you because you want it to be precious to your kids and you want it to be precious to your grandkids. Discipleship looks very different when you have a city to go to, doesn't it? (laughs) Which is why it's a very big deal when they stop fearing the Lord and they stop walking the path and he wipes out the city. But it's this constant prayer. May he send you help from the sanctuary, grant you support from Zion. May the Lord bless you from Zion. He who is the maker of heaven and earth. Sorry, that's ahead. Praise be to the Lord from Zion, to him who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. And then may you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. See how this is all tied together. If Jerusalem falls to an enemy, and it would, what's it going to mean? It's going to mean chaos for the Jews for the families, and for generations. You can see what a treasure this prayer would have been as people made their way to the city. Psalm 103, As for man, his days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over, and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with who? Those who fear him. And his righteousness with who? Their children's children. Those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, and then you go back to the covenant in Deuteronomy. Keep his degree and commands which I am giving you today so that it may well go well with your children after you and that you may live long in the land. Do you see how the two go hand in hand? It's like we all need to be obedient together 
make this journey together, pray for the peace of this city together, pray for the peace of this land together for the sake of us and for our kids and fear the Lord together. See how it all comes together. Part of the covenant blessings and curses that God gave in Deuteronomy. And again, we we talk about this every week, moving it forward to us. Jesus would have prayed these psalms. Jesus would have made pilgrimage to Jerusalem. We know he did it. We know his parents forgot and left him there one time. (laughs) Right? Anybody seen Jesus? Oh, yeah, he's back talking to the Pharisees. Yeah. But at the same time, he kind of started redefining family a bit, right? Kids were still kids. Grandkids were still kids. Remember they came to him and he said, hey, Jesus, your mom, your your families are all here. And he says, no, this is my family. These people are following and obeying me, right? You could set feet in the Jerusalem that these people travel to. You could set feet in Jerusalem that Jesus set feet in. But we don't pilgrimage there today. It's coming to us. Let me just give two more passages. Maybe one more. Let's do this one first. The Lord is exalted for he dwells in high. He will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. He will be a sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. And then what does Colossians tell us? In Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All that comes together. The day is coming. He is exalted. You sang it right at the beginning. Justice and righteousness will return to Zion. The fear of the Lord will spread. Look at this. Oh boy, that's small. Can you see that? I'll tell you what it says. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of mountains. It will be exalted above the hills. All the nations will stream to it. And many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways. Why? So that we may walk in his paths. We're not done with that. Then the law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will set us to disputes from many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up na- sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is where we're going. Or this is what's coming to us. It's like a collision is going to happen. This is what we're seeking. But right now, we don't have a geographical center. Right now, it's go into all the world and make disciples of all peoples. Right now, it's let the nations be glad. Right now, it's go, you got Judah, you got Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other northern parts of the earth. So it may be that your children being fruitful shoots means Jesus sends them somewhere else. Right? I remember the, the, the man who started the church that I pastored in Alabama. He was there until the Lord sent him to Romania. And he went to Romania when it was still communist. So it was a very, very difficult assignment. He went there single. And um, the, the wall fell. Everything collapsed while he was there. And he ended up meeting uh, the daughter of an underground pastor marrying her and having kids and he came back to speak one time and you know what he said he said you know what the hardest thing for me uh, being in Romania is and he says and I hear this from other missionaries he says what do you think the hardest 
thing for me is, and I just, this really surprised me. He said, the hardest thing for me is hearing my mom say on the phone, I wish I could see my grandkids. <laughs> oh, ouch. And then I just think, what if Jesus sends my kids somewhere far away? Fruitful shoots, right? Right? But there's a city coming. And so what we do, we fear the Lord and we walk. There's a, we're walking trees here, right? Those of you who don't know, we're walking trees. We get our verses from Colossians 2. I know we could just really nerd out and get into some stuff here. We won't. I won't bring it up. But Colossians, right, we talk about this when you walk in the door. And what does it say? Even as you... Received Christ as Lord, so continue in him. Rooted in him, built up in the faith, overflowing with thanksgiving. Even as you started, continue to walk. We continue here to walk by faith. We seek the kingdom first. We know that the kingdom is coming. We, we went through revelation here. We know that in the end, everything gets made new and this Jerusalem comes down out of heaven and it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. So we apply this with fear, with trembling, but knowing it's the most joyful way. So we don't, we don't take each other to the cliff and go, I bet this will work. No, we don't do that with each other. We get each other side by side and go, this is the Jesus path. He's on it with us. We'll pray for each other. We'll pray for each other's kids. We'll disciple each other's kids until kingdom comes. You've been listening to Sunday Morning at Creekside Church in Spring, Texas. We're glad you joined us. For more information, please check out our website at www.mycreeksidechurch.org.